We are having this month, uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, and so I first really want to thank all of you for all the various gifts uh, that you uh, really showered upon myself and my wife this past month. We really, really uh, appreciate it. I've been uh, so touched uh, that you think about us and you know the amount of service that uh, is provided and the, the type of labor that it requires. Uh, so I want to thank each and every one of you uh, for sharing this month. And, uh, and I really did enjoy this morning's presentations. Uh, Brother Walter, I, I hope I can get that video, although I must say there was a gross misrepresentation of my sermon series, but I understand that it's all in good fun. Uh, so thank you so very much. It was really, really good stuff. Uh, thank you for the gifts. I, I, I Like I said, I do have my towel now, uh, Pastor Gary Bailey, so everybody knows exactly where it belongs and who it belongs to. So uh, Corbin family, thank you so very much. I really, really appreciate that. So I would try not to sweat it up too bad. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, and so, uh, so we've, been in, we've been talking about prayer. So today we're going to end it with talking about how to honor and support your spiritual leader. Obviously, I have some direct insight into this because I happen to be one of those who shepherd and pastor a church. But having said that, I want you to understand something, that this message is not about me. Even though, although it includes me, I want you to understand this message is not about me. I'm not preaching this message today because I have some pressing, some pressing issue with Foundation Church that I must get off my chest because, quite frankly, I love my church. I love the people that I serve, and they treat me well. Uh, I'm sharing this message today, and I'm speaking to the church. I'm speaking to the body of Christ. I'm sharing this message today because, first of all, I love the church. And I love the men that lead them and the women that labor to see that God's people are cared for appropriately. So this message is about all those who are spiritual leaders in the house of God, senior pastors, elders who are responsible to feed and care for the flock of God. That's who I'm talking to today. And I want to talk to you about that because being a pastor has some very, very unique challenges. And so I'm just going to, to give you some information. I want to kind of give you an inside look at the challenges a pastor faces. Now, I, I want you to understand this. I'm, I'm sharing this information with you not to guilt you in any way. But I simply want to advise you on how we can make their jobs easier. And so what I came across was some statistics uh, from PastoralCareIncorporated.com. And they are a ministry that uh, support pastors with research, education, and immediate uh, assistance. And I want to share with you some statistics that you may not be aware of to kind of give you some insight into what pastors are going through uh, across the world. 72% of pastors, and this is a, a report, 72% of pastors report working between 55 to 75 hours per week. 84% of pastors feel they are on call 24-7. 80% believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. Many pastors' children do not attend church now because of what the church has done to their parents. 
65% of pastors feel their family lives in a glass house and fear that they are not good enough to meet expectations. 78% of pastors report having their vacation or personal time interrupted with ministry duties or expectations. 35% of pastors report the demands of the church denies them the uh, denies them from spending time, uh, adequate time with their families. 90% of those pastors report the ministry was completely different uh, than what they thought it would be, be like uh, before they entered ministry. 45% of pastors spend 10 to 15 hours a week on sermon preparation. 57% of pastors believe they do not receive a livable wage. 57% of pastors are unable to pay their bills. 52% of pastors feel overworked and cannot meet their church's unrealistic expectations. 54% of pastors find the role of a pastor overwhelming. Over 50% of pastors state that the biggest challenge is to recruit volunteers and encourage their members to change or to live and walk closer with God. 57% of pastors feel fulfilled, but yet discouraged, stressed, and fatigued. 71% of churches have no plan for a pastor to receive a periodic sabbatical. One out, of, one out of every 10 pastors, listen to this church, one out of every 10 pastors will actually retire as a pastor. That means a lot of them leave the ministry. Over 1,500 pastors left the ministry every month just last year. Now, as I said a moment ago, I didn't say those things to guilt you. I said them to give you a realistic uh, a picture of what is really happening. When you think about, and we talked about this this month, when you think about trying to advance the kingdom of God with the gospel of Jesus Christ, obviously there are many obstacles that come with that, many challenges, because Satan is not going to relinquish that territory easily. And so one of the things we understand is that pastors are on the front lines, and it doesn't matter really if the church are big or small. It's the same battles that every pastor faced. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. And so the weight and the burden of ministry will not go away for a spiritual leader. I'm not here this morning to say that uh, under no illusions that that's going to happen because the weight and the burden of ministry is what all pastors have to carry. And they will continue to carry that. But what I hope to do is to help the flock to understand how that the flock and we as the people of God can make the life of a pastor a little bit easier and more enduring. And so I want to do a couple of things here. I'm going to kind of give you uh, a little bit of information about the call of a pastor. And then I wanted to give you some information on how we can actually uh, make, the, make their, their lives as pastor easier, make it easier for them to do their job. As I just cited to you all these statistics, these are real statistics. You can look them up. You can just go on Barner.com. You can search any, uh, any website, any reputable uh, uh, company that does statistics. You will see this common pattern that all pastors face. And so I want to I want to kind of tackle that today. And my hope is that having shared this with you, that you would really know how you can honor and support your leader. And so let me just kind of uh, cover uh, a couple of things about the pastor or the elders are calling calling. Uh, first, they are called to lead by example. 
uh, Abigail read the scripture this morning, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. The Bible calls, and Peter was speaking to the church, and he's talking to the elders. He says to shepherd the flock. Shepherd means to lead them, to care for them. That means to nurture them and to protect them. That particular passage talks about how that they are overseers. Overseers of the body means that pastors are responsible for overseeing the entire body of Christ that God has assigned to them. And Peter says that they are to do it not by compulsion. In other words, pastors and leaders are not to, to pastor uh, with an attitude of, oh, I have to do this. Oh, this is, you know, I feel like I, I have to do it. But the idea behind a calling of a pastor is to do it eagerly and to do it joyfully, with enthusiasm, with a willing spirit, the scripture says. That means that leaders are to lead, and pastors, and I'm talking to pastors out there, are to lead with a willing heart. Pastors are called to be eager to serve God's people. It's not a drag. It's an honor to serve the people of God. Um, They're to do it joyfully with enthusiasm, and not for dishonest gain. In other words, any good and reputable pastor is not in this business to try to gain money. No pastor that is called of God does it for the money. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? Uh, Y'all say amen. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? No pastor does it for the money. They do it because they are called by God and they love God's people. They are to lead by examples. In other words, they are to be examples to the flock. What we want to see in the flocks, in the flock in terms of their behavior, how they relate and care for one another, pastors are to be that. Pastors are to exhibit. They're to to show how that people are to relate to one another, how we are to deal with one another. Uh, Secondly, they are called to watch and protect the flock. I said a little bit about this. Um, Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 28 through 31, it says, therefore, take heed to yourselves. This is Paul talking to some elders. He says, take heed to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This is Jesus Christ's church. And listen, what, listen what the apostle says. He says, for I know this, that after my departure, Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, listen to this church, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. He talks about kind of a thing that we see to happening in today's churches and particularly in America when people get upset about different things and they speak things that are necessarily that not that are not necessarily true. They're drawing people after their own lust, their own desires. The Bible says, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you every night and day with tears. And so pastors have the responsibility to protect the flock. We're to guard against perverse teaching, ungodly teaching. I think it's important that any reputable church, that any church that is called by God, and I really do believe this, that they make it a priority to, to make sure that the right teaching is preached from the pulpit. That's one of the things that I'm very, very passionate about as a pastor is to make sure that the information that you're getting is biblical. Everybody say biblical. Uh, every, everybody say biblical. Come on, walk with me. Uh, so it's about, it's about preaching truth 
and uh, pastors have the responsibility to protect the flock and to make sure that they are being exposed to truth. Uh, pastors are called to feed the flock, as it says in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Uh, and this is an example of the apostles who uh, were in a predicament where there was some, uh, there was some dissension that kind of rose up within the body of Christ. I'll kind of read this a little bit. In uh, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the, the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, they, he wasn't demeaning serving table. He just said that it's not desirable. In other words, that's not the uh, primary responsibility of the elder or the apostle. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that we may appoint over this business. But, verse number four, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word of God. So, so hear that. Now, the question is not whether or not the apostles and the elders could do all those other things. It's not an issue of whether or not a pastor, you know, a pastor can help with whether it be set up or whether it's help with, with different things and areas and ministries other than preaching and teaching and prayer. It's not to say they can't, but what he was really arguing is that at what expense? Because the primary responsibility of a pastor of a church is to feed his people and to make sure that he's praying for them. Uh, in fact, I would say that the more, the less the more involved that you see, and I, and, I, and I say this from a broader perspective, I want you to understand, uh, and, I, and I'll, I'll kind of back up with this example, uh, but the more you see a pastor or a senior pastor that is involved in so many different nuts and bolts of ministry, that's the less time he's in the word and praying for the people of God. Um, when, I was, when I first got ordained many years ago as a, a deacon, uh, there was, we was a small church. It was only about, I think, maybe like maybe three or four of us deacons. And one of the things that we made sure to do was that our pastor would never, ever have to worry about doing anything except prayer and being in the word. As long as he was communicating with the people, uh, praying with the people, encouraging the people and teaching the word, that was what we wanted him to do. So if he would come along and he would try to get involved in anything else, we would be like, no, we don't want you doing that. It wasn't because he was handicapped. It wasn't because he couldn't. It's just we knew and understood that his primary responsibility was to pray for the people of God and to minister to them and, and to their needs and to, to make sure that they're, they're lifting them up uh, to God in prayer. This is the primary responsibility of pastors and leaders of their churches. And so with that being said, so I'm going to cover, I got uh, 10 things, really kind of nine, I'm going to kind of cover, and we'll get you out of here, over to fellowship in here in a few moments. And so, uh, so I'm going to take these one by one. So here's the question. How should the flock honor their pastor and their spiritual leader? How can we make their job easier? And uh, so first point is, so we understand we just covered their calling. Now we're going to talk to the flock and what we can do to help, because this is something obviously that is important. It comes around. It's, how many know that honoring your pastor is not just an October thing? It's something that we do all the time. It's, it's, and you'll understand that here in a moment why that's so very, very important. So, number one, the first thing we can do to make our job, the job easier for our pastors, is the flock is called to obey their spiritual leader. It says in Hebrews 13 17, 
Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive. For they watch over your souls as though who must give an account and let them do so with joy and not with grief. Church, listen to this. This is powerful. For that would be unprofitable to you. So here's what he says. He said, now be submissive. The idea of submission, it, it, it brings along the context of, it, it, it naturally brings along the thought that it, it, we're not always going to be in agreement with your spiritual leader. That's why, you know, you have to submit. Everybody in this room knows. For an example, everybody here think differently. You look at things differently. If you were your own pastor, you would probably do it differently than me. If you had the opportunity, everybody think and do things differently. But what if we said, okay, everybody get to have their way? What will we have? Chaos, Chaos right? So the idea of this word submission comes into play. He said, be, submitted, be, submiss be submissive. In other words, you may not want to do it, but you do it because you understand that that the pastor has been called to lead. He's called in his role and he called us to be submissive to their leadership. He says they watch over your souls. And we said that here in a moment. In other words, pastors have to give an account. Listen to this church, not just for themselves. Pastors have to give an account for how they lead their flock. Every pastor that's called of God will have to give an account to God. And that's why I say to those pastors out there, and I think most of us who understand this, that, that we make sure to treat our congregants with respect, with decency, and with honor. Why? Because they're God's people. They're God's people. And every pastor will one day have to give an account to God for how you treated God's people. And let me tell you something. Pastors fear that. It brings them into fear because they understand the significance of it. And so a lot of times they have to be prayed up. They can't, pastor just can't respond even like the congregation respond to the pastor. The pastor is called to live in a higher way. Y'all remember Moses, right? When God told Moses to speak to the rock and Moses got mad because the people got on his nerve and he, he hit the rock so hard. And God said, because of that, Moses, you can't go into the land of promise. You can see it, but you can't go in there. Why was that? Because the responsibility of the leader is much higher than just those who are who are under that leadership. And so pastors have an awesome weight on their shoulders. I want you to understand that the Bible says that they will give an account. And he says this. He says, let them do it with joy and not grief. All right. So in other words, don't make it hard for your pastor. Don't 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 have your pastor have to come in and be like, Oh, God, I want to deal with this today because it's just going to be this or this is going to be that. In other words, be a member in good standing. Now, that's not to say that you're simply never to challenge something or you're never to ask questions because that would be unhealthy. So we want to ask questions and we want to do it the right way, but we want to make sure that we're doing it in a way that is respectful. How many know that it doesn't benefit the congregation when its people are rebellious to their senior pastor? So make sure that you are being obedient to your spiritual leader. Number two, the, another way we can honor our pastor and spiritual leader is that we pay them well. First uh, Timothy 5, 17 through 18, and many of us are familiar with this verse. I'll give you a little bit more context on it. It says, let the elders or the pastors who rule well be counted worthy of a double honor. Now hear this. Especially 
those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Watch this. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, understand something here. So the context here is that, that whenever they had an ox that was treading out grain in the field or in the farm, whenever that was happening, they, they wouldn't muzzle the ox. In other words, they wouldn't put a muzzle on the ox because they wanted the ox to eat. Why? Because they wanted a strong, healthy ox. So that ox can make sure to tread out their grain because that ox would spend hours out there. And so what they did was they didn't muzzle the ox. The ox who was also treading the grain got to eat some as well. How many know that a pastor is much more important than an ox? And so the, the context here is that uh, uh, the, the pastor or, you know, needs to be well taken care of. This is a, this talking about his physical need. In other words, the ox, you know, we, we want to take care of the ox. And so the, the context is that the pastor need to be taken care of. They shouldn't have to worry about um, how they're going to eat, how they're going to support their families. Um, they are worthy of double honor. In fact, the scripture is saying there that not just respect, but double it, uh, especially those that labor in the word and in doctrine. And the reason why we know this is a, it's a reference to uh, 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 wages is it says here that the laborer is worthy of its wages. And so that's the context. So a church, one of the things a church can do to, to encourage their pastors to make sure that they're well taken care of. And I, I remember some years ago when I was part of another church and uh, the, the and it's a, a church is doing really, really well now. I don't want to say the name of the church because it's being recorded. But uh, uh, they, they, the congregation got together and they, they sent them on, on an extravagant place. And, uh, and not only did they send them an extravagant place, but they, they, they took up an offering. It was a large, larger church. And they gave the pastor uh, a, a large uh, offering so that they had plenty of money uh, when they went. And I just kind of remember that there were some folks that were sitting there. And I remember hearing this, like, why does the pastor need all that? And I just kind of looked, and I, because I don't understand that way of thinking. And I thought to myself, really, I mean, the, the, all, after all that pastors have to go through and watching over your soul and caring for you, don't you understand that when your pastor is healthy, that that boomerangs back to you? That's the way I understood that. And so I, don't, I didn't understand that way of thinking. But the idea behind that church was that we're going to make sure that our pastors are taken care of. Church, let me, let me just say this to you. When a pastor is, is respected and well taken care of, it blesses the church. Let me take this a step further. Every blessed church let me say that again. Every blessed church that are doing well, making disciples and making a difference, they honor and they respect their pastors. Churches that usually get in trouble are churches that don't. And so I just wanted to, to remind us of that. Uh, number three, uh, another way we can honor our pastors are to uh, be a doer of what is taught. One of the things it says in uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 and 25, it says, but be doers of the word. And not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Church, it is nothing that is more frustrating for any pastor or leader than that the people uh, are being taught the word of God, but they don't apply it. It's nothing more frustrating than saying, uh, you know, amen, but not doing what is taught. And every now and then you hear somebody say, uh, uh, a pastor, I, I, I know what the word of God says, but. Usually when you hear that, you know what they just told you? 
uh, they, they, they're not going to obey it. Now, think about it from a pastoral standpoint. The pastor's responsibility is to preach the word of God. The pastor's responsibility is to teach and to articulate God's truth, no matter what. This is the pastor's responsibility. And so when somebody come along and say, well, I'm not going to obey that or I'm not going to I'm not going to do that, then it kind of puts the pastors kind of like on lockdown because his only authority is the word of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning, church? And so so the church, one of the ways that you can be an encouragement to your pastor is that when the pastor preaches, say, Pastor, my goal in sitting here today is to not only to listen to what you say, but to make application. I'm going to apply what I learned. Let me tell you something right now. Pastors love it when they see their people walking in the truth that they communicate. Let me tell you something. It encourages the pastor tremendously. Um, I had uh, a sister, Giselle, she had to leave a little early, but earlier, but uh, she told me earlier this week, she says, she says to me, she says, Pastor, I just want to, she said, I made a point not to just kind of come to you and say a uh, good word, but she said, I made it a point that when I come to you, that I actually say to you how what you taught is impacting my life. And, uh, and I was like, wow. I mean, that was very, very encouraging to me because we spent a lot of time doing this. And so it's very, very important to us that the people of God, that they commit to uh, applying what they have been taught. Furthermore, the only way you're going to grow is through application. You don't, just, you don't grow by just hearing the word. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? You can come to church every Sunday, but it, and, and you can hear the word, but it won't be until you make application that your life will change. Fourthly, we got to be committed to healthy relationships. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Pastors don't want to spend a significant amount of their time trying to resolve conflict in the church. Uh, the Bible gives us protocols in terms of how we are to resolve conflict. Uh, I, I said this uh, so many times, and it's worth saying here again, uh, you're never going to find a perfect church. And if you find one, then don't join it because you will mess it up. There are no such thing as a perfect church. Every church will have a level of conflict. The churches that are most healthy are the ones that understand how to resolve conflict. So one of the things that pastors are very, very discouraged to walk in an environment where the people are not getting along with each other. When, when you know, when it's, you know, well, I don't, brother, I don't like the mess, but so-and-so, I don't like this, and I don't like that. And, and pastors do not like it. Can, can I give you another, can I give you some advice? Do not go to your pastor and gossip about another member in the church. Let me tell you why. Because you put the pastor in an awkward position, first of all, because the pastor's responsibility is to care for the entire flock of God. That's the responsibility. So the pastor, and he's accountable to God. So his job as a pastor is, is to make sure that, the, that, that, that he is uh, 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 fostering an atmosphere where people are getting along with one another. So it's so very, very important that we do that. And so one of the ways that you can help and encourage your pastor is to work hard at relationships, to get along with each other. 
Um, when there's conflict, hey, go to biblical right. Go talk to that person directly. If that doesn't work, then find another brother or sister in the church. Say, look, me and brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, we are having problems. Can you come in and come with us because we need to try to work this out? And I, I'm, I'm not saying that pastors shouldn't get involved because there are some things uh, that every now and then a pastor need to get involved. But a pastor should not be spending a, a whole lot of time trying to resolve conflict because how many know that conflict is inevitable and is all over the place and that can consume you? So, so make sure that you're working hard to uh, uh, commit to healthy relationships in the church. Uh, fifthly, uh, a way that you can encourage your pastor, your spiritual leader, is to invite and bring others to church. Uh, Diva taught on uh, during our consecration week on Thursday, and she had as her title, Harvest. And, uh, and she referenced uh, the uh, encounter that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman over in uh, John's, John's, John's Gospel, chapter number four. And uh, there was a woman that had an encounter with Jesus, and she was coming to get some water. And uh, Jesus began to prophesy to her about her life and tell her whole story about how many husbands she's had. When she realized that Jesus was much more than a man, that he was something, that he was indeed the Christ, she got so excited. And the Bible says in in, uh, John chapter 4, verse 29, this woman, she went out and she said to everybody, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So this woman... Taking a page from Diver's lesson, this woman did not teach a deep theological message. All this woman did was she had an encounter and she went out enthusiastically and she said, hey, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. And so because of her enthusiasm, when she went out there and she invited people, people came and people showed up. So. How many know that the pastor's primary job is, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, is to train and equip the believers to do the work of ministry? You can look it up yourself. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. That's the responsibility. And, you know, and unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, churches and a lot of us believers sometimes, we tend to think it's the responsibility of the pastor, uh, you know, to, to, to preach, to serve, to help out in other, way, in other parts of ministry, but also it's the pastor's responsibility to bring the people in. Pastor, you got to do all of that. And how many know that the body cannot function that way, and that's not the way God designed it? Pastor, it doesn't mean that they are excluded from bringing people. It just means that their primary responsibility is to train and equip the body so that they can do the work of ministry. So then, so one of the ways that you can encourage your pastor is bring others to church. Invite people on a regular basis. Invite. You can't make them come. I get that. But you can invite. Just invite people to church. I'm going to tell you something right now, church. Nothing gets a pastor more excited than when you walk up to the pastor and say, Pastor, I want you to meet my friend that, that, that works for me. I want you to meet my neighbor. Pastor, I want you to meet my coworker. I want you. Nothing will encourage your pastor more than that. So invite people. Bring people to church with you when you come. Number six. Make sure that another way to encourage your pastor is you want to make sure to financially give to the work. Money-related issues is one of the big drivers of stress in pastoral ministry. Pastors are always having the challenge of having the resources they need in order to make sure that God's people are well taken care of. From a pastor perspective, and I can say this, a great service can be upended by a bad financial report. 
And so one of the things that we need to do as much as we can, we need to make sure that we're doing our part to give financially to the work of the ministry. Because um, it can be very difficult, very stressful for a pastor to not only have to worry about the, the preaching and the teaching and leading the ministry, but how to come up with the ministry to do ministry. And so that a lot of times that weight falls on them. And so one of the ways that we can help is, is I always say this, become a tither, number one, be a tither. Uh, I've taught plenty of messages on that, and uh, we believe in that here, but we encourage you to be a tither. But at the very least, do your part and give abundantly to the work of God. What that does for you is it gives you a place where you can come, you can have a body of believers, your own church, but also it's your way of helping to advance, advance God's kingdom and his agenda forward. So we want to make sure we're doing that. And so uh, make sure that, that you do your part by giving to God's work. Uh, number seven, and we're almost done. Number seven is simply one of the ways that we can encourage our pastor is to show up. Everybody say show up. Show up. Just show up. Just show up. Uh, let, me, let me tell you something. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. In other words, some people do it. He said, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, how many know that the evil is on the rise? <laughs> is anybody home? How many know the evil is on the rise today? More and more. And the idea is the more that we see Christ, because Christ talked about before you come back, he talks about how bad things are going to be. Things are going from bad to worse in so many different ways. And so we ought to be coming together more and more. There's nothing worse for a pastor. If y'all still listen to me, say amen. There's nothing worse than for a pastor to prepare a meal and no one shows up to eat. Now, if, if you said to me, pastor, if I said to you, hey, I'd be at your house today at four o'clock. And man, and, and let's say we, we, we let's say you we planned this last week and you went out and you bought yourself a nice roast and, 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 and you spent a, a couple of days, you marinated that thing and you spent hours cooking and preparing. And, 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 and then all of a sudden, when the time came for me to show up, I didn't show up. Better yet, I didn't even give you a call to tell you I was going to show up. How would you feel? How do you think a pastor feels when he spends 5, 6, 15, 20 hours laboring in the word because you come expecting a good word, and when you don't get it, you let the pastor know about it. Pastor, you, know, you do a little bit better on the word. You expect that. Then the least that the church can do, the flock can do, is that when the pastor prepares, that you come and eat, that you show up. Let me tell you something, church. Um, pastors that are passionate about the word of God, spend a whole lot of time doing it. A lot of time doing it. And no pastor likes preaching to empty seats. Nope, I don't care who he is. If a pastor have a church of a thousand and he can visually see that there's five or six empty seats, he don't like that. He'd rather see a house filled, every seat filled. So one of the ways you can encourage your pastor is, is to show up. Just show up. And, you know, the next time we think about, you know, and I'm not, there are legitimate reasons sometimes to miss church. But, but that should be an anomaly. That shouldn't be the norm. 
And, and just saying, well, I'm just, you know, getting to the thing, well, I'm just, I just don't feel like it today. I'm just, you know, the reality of it is, is uh, there's a lot of things that many of us don't feel like doing. And, uh, but you know what? We press ahead and we do it anyway. Uh, many of us don't feel like going to work every day during the week. I can, man, it's like three days a week. Man, actually, nowadays, so I'm close to retirement. It's like every day is a labor for me to go into that office because I can literally walk in that office and say I'm done because I already earned my retirement. And so every day, I never feel it. My wife tells me, it's like, why aren't you going to work today? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going today. And, and I persevere and I get up and I go because I expect something on the other end of that. And so why is it that when it comes to the things of God, the same God that we said that gave us everything that we have, who gave us the job, who provides for us daily, who we say we worship with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and we won't even come to his house to worship him with his people on Sunday, that we, that we throw that up for grabs. I don't get it. We don't throw anything else up for grabs, but we throw that up for grabs. Like, okay, well, okay, you know. I don't get that. I don't understand that. It's never been a day, and I'm just, now I'm, I'm going to speak about myself just for a brief moment, but there's never been a Sunday, my wife would tell you, even on vacation, we're thinking about church. It's never been a Sunday. We sit back and say, mm, we're going to do church tomorrow or not. It, seemed, it is like a four, unless somebody is half dead, we're coming to the house of God. Because you know why? It's not just about me. It's about my brothers. It's about my sisters. I got to think about that pastor who put in the work, who put in the time. I want to make sure that I be an encouragement to them in the work. Because I read to you the statistics earlier about, uh, about the complexity of what it means to be a pastor. So one of the ways that you can help with that is, you know, just show up. Just, just show be, just say, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to show up and be an encouragement, uh, uh, not just to your pastor, but to your brothers and sisters uh, in the body. Number eight, another way you can encourage your pastor is to get involved. Ephesians 4, 16. I get to wipe my nice, pretty new towel I got. I don't even feel like I want to wipe with it because it's so nice, but I'm going to do that. Um, thank you so much, Crystal. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 16 says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by that which every joint supplies. Look at that. The whole body, look at this church, is joined together and, knit, and knitted together by that which every joint supplies. According to the effective, effective working by which every part does it share. Grows, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So listen to that church. So here's how the church grows. The church grows by that which everybody uh, 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 shares. Everybody, in other words, get involved. Every joint supplies, in other words. And so the idea here is obviously all of us, we get we give financially to the work of God. And we understand that because he's a giver of all things. So we support his ministry that way. But we also need to support his ministry through our gifts and, and our talents. And so... Um, your pastor needs you to get involved. He don't just need you to show up. He needs you to figure out a way. How can I be a help? Think about this. Sometimes, and I know this, and sometimes people will come to church and they will find things that are wrong. Well, you know, we need to do this. The person wasn't nice today at the door. Uh, we need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. Did you ever think that maybe that God may be calling you to step in and help with that? Um, pastors need their people to get involved. Church, listen to me. 
don't have a consumer mentality. Don't come to church with an attitude as, I'm just coming to get mine and I'm out. But figure out a way. This is for your spiritual growth as well. Figure out a way. To, you know what? Let me figure out a way to get involved. I need to help. I, you know, I don't just want to be a church member, but God has called me to this body. And part of your calling is to serve the body of Christ. Serve it. So, you don't, so, so, so we don't just come to the church and, and just think about, okay, I just want out. But how can you utilize the gifts and talents to help that church advance the kingdom of God? Because we're all in this together to advance the kingdom of God. And so, so one of the ways we greatly encourage our pastor is pastors love it when he sees people get involved. When PC people come into the church, they join and they say, you know what, pastor, how can I help out? What, what do you need? In fact, number nine, here's the ninth point. Pastor like it when the people take initiative. That's, you know what, pastor, I saw that you need such a, you know, can, can I help with that? In fact, you, I mean, you don't even have to ask. Just, just take some initiative and say, you know what, I want to help out. I, I see there's a need here, and obviously God has called me here, so you know what, I'm going to help out. Uh, if you see your church or your pastor struggling in the ministry, hey, then help out, particularly if you have the ability to be able to do it. Help out. Be an encouragement uh, to your pastors out there. We want to make sure that um, um, you're, you're taking initiative, you're getting involved, as the scripture says, and then finally, uh, own it. Everybody say own it. This is the last one, own it. Number 10, own it. Think about the disciples for a moment. I want you to think with me for a moment. Uh, the disciples um, had a responsibility. Uh, the apostles had a responsibility to spread the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus died and he went to be with the Father and he left the ministry to them. Now, I would surmise that if their attitude was like this, well, this is Jesus' ministry. And, um, you know, so, we'll, 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 you know, we'll, 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 we'll try to do what we can do. This is his ministry. And we're just going to try to try to, you know, help out and do whatever we can. How many of you believe that we wouldn't be here today? Their attitude was they own it. In other words, Jesus gave them the vision. Are y'all still listening? Say amen. Jesus gave them the vision, but they own the vision. They they wrapped their arms around the vision as if. It was their very own vision. That's why they were able to preach the gospel to the degree that you and I are sitting here today hearing about Jesus Christ because they own the vision. I'm always amazed sometimes when, uh, when, when, when I hear about this and, and, and we pastors talk about this a lot of times and how people always come into the church and they want to live their lives sort of vicariously through the pastor. And I'm not talking about giving good advice or, or helping with the vision because every good pastor is humble enough to receive good advice in ways that they can help do things better. That's, that's, that's beside the point. Everybody understand that's what you want. You look for that. But, but when you have people that come in and, and, you know, and, and they couldn't get their way at wherever they were at, uh, so they want to they want to come in and, and, and they want to kind of give a new direction, a, a, a new vision. Well, here is what God told me. You, you hear, everybody look this way. Here is what God told me. And a lot of times what people what people are really saying is, you know, I, I really know. I, I think I know better than the pastor. And this is a vision. I mean, one time a lady came to me. She says, you need to change the, the, the verbiage. You need to change the, the, the name. You need to change the, 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 the vision. They change it all. And I looked at her like you, I really, really, I looked at her like you are out of your mind. 
But that's but I'm amazed how people come in and they think, oh, you know, my, my, no, no, you're not. That's not your place. Your place is not. Hear me when I say this and I say it with all humility. Your place is not to tell the pastor how to lead the ministry that God has assigned to him. You won't be given accountable. You won't. You don't have to give account to God for that. That's his job. So understand as, as, as the people of God, we have to understand our place and how we to do that. So it's one thing to say, pastor, can I can I help? But it's a whole other thing to say, well, pastor, let me tell you how to do this. That's when you've overstepped your boundaries. And that's when a good pastor in love will rebuke you with love because he understands that this is not something that he called upon himself. This was given to him by God. So watch. So when that vision that that pastor has is, is not fully implemented or embraced, the whole church suffers. Because it's it's. You know, it's the reason why God called it in the first place. And so one of the things that, 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 that the flock can do is that, that they need to own the vision. If they don't know what the vision is, get with the pastor, talk to somebody, figure it out. We need to, we need, what is the vision of the house? Because I, whatever I do, I want to make sure that I support that vision. Just own it. Um, you know, uh, that would greatly encourage a pastor to know that the people, they embrace the vision, they own the vision, and they're running with the vision. They understand it, and, and, and everything they're doing, they're making sure that this thing is being carried out. And this is the way that we can, these are ways that we can encourage our pastors. So I gave you, I gave you 10 things there, and I really believe that if you, uh, the next time you really think about honoring your pastor, and uh, pastors like to be honored and all that, and but but make sure that that, that you're doing these things because these things have lasting effect. These things affect him in ways that, uh, that, that, it, that it follows him on a regular basis. And so because at the end of the day, what every good pastor wants is his flock to be well. Every good pastor wants to see his people advancing and growing. Um, every good pastor wants to see his people healthy and walking with God and living their lives with a sense of purpose. That's why pastors do what they do. They do it for no other reason. They don't do it for monetary reasons. They don't do it because it's popular. They don't do it because they get a whole lot out of it. Trust me. In fact, there's a lot of sacrifice that come with being a pastor. A lot of sacrifice. Uh, and, uh, and so I believe that if you take heed to some of the things I said today, I think we'll have much more healthier churches as we move forward in the body of Christ. Amen. Come on. If you received that, come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. If you received that word this morning.